Uh, here to review the Sunday papers is the editor of the Longford Leader, uh, Sheila Riley, uh, Finnegale MEP Brian Hayes, and uh, owner Brian. Uh, Sinn Féin strategist and of course candidate for uh, Dublin Midwest I yes. think it is uh, own, uh, in the upcoming uh, general election uh, you're all very welcome listen bef- before we get to the, the, the papers um, I suppose look the, the thing everyone's talking about today uh, Brian Hayes is the, uh, the, the rugby match I presume you'll be watching will you? Yeah I'll be avidly watching it trying to find out are we going to do it I mean I think we will we have a better team obviously the loss of so many key people is, a, is Our a four re- best is players really I think you could say without fear of contradiction Yeah but I, I, at the end of the day um, we are still a better team in my view than Argentina now they, they've done very well in this tournament as is self-evident and they're probably the best team to come from the phase two countries if you like that haven't really broken through in the in the course of the last number of World Cups um, I mean if we play anything like we played last uh, week against the French I think we'll come through uh, but and I think <coughs> even I mean the other point was made I think by Madigan the other day that actually the, the Irish team is not just a question of 15 players or even the top seven players it has become a squad all of whom it's a bit like the Dublin squad actually you can bring fellas in bring them out mm. and they have the kind of comprehensive mm. approach so I, I'm, I'm impressed I'm not, by sure, the, I'm the not sure Dublin could do without Stephen Clarkson <laughs> Bernard Brogan um, I think they well, could manage I think they could actually they could they could but I think the big I mean O'Connell's what happened to O'Connell has been you know dreadful last last uh Weekend, and he is such an inspirational loss because of his his background and because of what he brings to the game. But I'm I'm hopeful that we can do it uh, t- today. And the question then is uh, for the following week. Sheila, I know um, Cavan and Longford aren't exactly rugby hotbeds, but it is extraordinary. Like the game is expanding. And oh, I mean, it's got a, it's got a long way to go. In fairness, I think. Well, it has, but it is unbelievable at uh, the growth of it in in rural uh, counties in, in yeah. recent years. You'd have a couple of hundred kids in in Cavan Rugby Club and in Longford Rugby Club every weekend. And um, lining out and taking play, taking part in the underage games. It's on. It's the the growth of it is absolutely incredible in the last ten years. So there'll be huge interest. I mean, the whole country is obsessed with this. It's absolutely it fantastic. I think last weekend huge we possibly incredible for TV three for, yeah. for their ads as well, yeah. which is <laughs> crucial, of course. But I well, think last weekend they have to make money. They are a commercial station, and that's the realities of the, of the world they live in and we live in. Um, I think last weekend we've possibly seen a kind of a changing of the guard in lots of ways and that possibly will stand up to us today as well you know when you yeah, see, yeah, yeah, when you see Madigan and Henderson and, and what they did Let's when they so. came on and we just so. have high hopes uh, Owner Brent, I know you're more Croke Park than the I'll actually be in, in Parnell Park today for the Dublin quarterfinals but I mean I, I suppose I'm one of those people who rugby isn't necessarily my, my first sport of choice but you can't but get I kind of sucked into the spectacle and, and the kind of the contest um, a and contest well, being the operative word like and again I wouldn't know I wouldn't know I mean, the, the rules I mean, of the game that the, well the irony is it's a game that's never been more popular and it's a game that is increasingly looking more and more dangerous why, and why didn't you play you were into Black oh, Rock oh I went to Black Rock College well, why, did, why, why weren't you sucked into we, it then I, we played rugby until about 12 or 13 and then I just lost interest in sport generally I have to say but the game has changed well, enormously I, I, I mean, it because Black Rock's one of the great rugby colleges and you were there and yeah, you, yeah. you enjoyed it I'm sure I was never much of a rugby player I was yeah. always too skinny I'd imagine going to, Black, I I imagine going going to a school like uh, Blackrock College. Neck, yeah. but not necessarily the, the shoulders for I it. imagine oh, going I to a school like Blackrock College either. Absolutely love rugby, or maybe you go the other way. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, pretty much that. It's it, you're either completely in it or you're completely out of it. Now, when you were a young kid, you played it like everything else, but it was a very very different kind of game at at that stage. Um, so. Okay, um, just uh, while we're, uh, yeah, we'll, let's stay with rugby for one second just before we go to the papers. Uh, Ireland playing uh, Argentina, of course, at one o'clock today, just under three hours. Uh, News Talk's Henry McKean has been in Cardiff. He's been speaking to a few Irish fans on the street to get the build-up for the match. 
great. Love the buzz. And we, we met in Bordeaux in the uh, 2007 World Cup. Uh, I met these dudes staring at a building, had a chat with them, and then we've been friends ever since. They've came over. I live in Cardiff. They came over in 2009 Grand Slam game. I got them tickets for the Grand Slam yeah. game. And uh, now they're back using my hospitality again. But this time they've returned the favour and got me a ticket for the uh, Argentina game. So you're an Irishman and you're living here in Cardiff. I mean, it's a rugby capital. Uh, it's it's brilliant. It's uh, You've got a huge amount of banter. I learned long ago not to be uh, over-enthusiastic before an Ireland-Wales game in case I might, there's repercussions a day, a day or two after. But, you yeah, know, it's brilliant. The banter's great. The Irish-Welsh love each other. It's really good. My name's Alan. Uh, I've been uh, busking around the World Cup on my fiddle, uh, something similar I did four years ago in New Zealand. Um, and this time around I've been incredibly lucky to get uh, some excellent tickets for all the games so far so today is no exception uh, I'm hoping but we're still holding in the last few hours I haven't got a ticket yet but I'm still looking for a ticket I'm still looking for a ticket but uh, the fiddle here will uh, hopefully get me through as it has done so far I've got some amazing tickets like I got a box seat in Wembley for the uh, for the Romania match I had a front row centre seat for the uh, Italy match in the Olympic Stadium so I've been very lucky so far so yeah, Henry McKean there uh, on the streets of Cardiff. We're going to be talking to uh, George Hook in about an hour's time about that match. By the way, if you could hear some sound in the background, apologies. That was we were trying to get the link sorted out there for uh, uh, Switzerland and that live draw. So apologies. We should be crossing there in the next uh, 10 minutes to get that draw. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the stories making the headlines uh, in the uh, the papers. Brian Hayes, we should stress this opinion poll was largely done before the budget, although you could argue it was so well leaked that people would have known what was it, but not much comfort there for Fine Gael. It looks like Labour was right in telling you not to call the election until the new year. Well, this is the Sunday Times opinion poll, the uh, behaving attitude one, and um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's not a very good result for Fine Gael, but uh, I suppose the n- none of the political people that I speak to from any of the parties um, uh, I, I think followed the, the, this poll that closely on the basis that it's not a tracking poll, but secondly uh, it's done over, I think, a period of 10 days, which is, is quite interesting. Now obviously we're down in that bowl because of the entire guffuffle that surrounded the election the previous week um, but I'd Possibly be entirely of your own making. Well maybe so, maybe so but Possibly. Maybe so Let's be diplomatic there. I, I suspect when the election comes in February or March or April whenever it, it's not going to make any difference quite frankly. I think what's interesting in the poll is, um, and this was alluded by RT last night, is the strength of the uh, the AAA uh, which is the hard left, even harder than Sinn Féin, where they're apparently getting 17, 7% of, of, of the vote. Uh, and well, I that's think a, that's an extraordinary it's figure. An, it's it? an extraordinary figure, actually, um, because when one considers that both of those small groupings were about 1% uh, over the course of the previous uh, year or so, uh, that's quite a showing. But we'll have to see the... I think you will see opinion polls after the budget and we'll see them. But one thing is absolutely certain, Shane, you will see hundreds of opinion polls between think, now and the next four months. I think that's and that is, that is a reality, I think. Uh, uh, Owen O'Brien, um, Sinn Féin doing OK in, the, in, in that poll, uh, 19%, but uh, the party has been on a... Sl- I think it's fair to say a downward trajectory for th- the last year. Um what do you make of Michal Martin? What we're told in the Sunday Indo, he's going to say uh, in Bodenstown uh, later on uh, this morning, referring to Sinn Féin as a mafia-like organisation that has failed to expose child abusers, racketeers and murderers. 
Well, it's Micheál Martin's kind of single transferable Bodenstown speech. I think it's the third or fourth time he's made exactly the same speech in exactly the same location this year. Uh, it, it's electioneering. That's what he's doing and, and most of us won't pay any attention to it. And in fact, most of the electorate won't pay much attention to it either. Um, we haven't been doing great in the polls in the last year. We've Is that lost because, though, of the party's handling of, no, of it's some because, of those issues? it's because Fianna Fáil are desperate that they have stagnated in the polls and in the elections for four and a half years and they don't know what to do to break out of it. So they've decided that the best way for them to try and break out of that is to attack Sinn Féin relentlessly on the issues that he's raised. Well, it's obviously working then, is it? Because you have... you are, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not saying you're not going to have a good election. You clearly are. But you're maybe not looking as if you're going to have as good an election as maybe it was looking a year ago. My own sense is, even even at the high point of the polls at the end of last year, where some polls had us, I think, wrongly on the, the kind of the low 20s, the core numbers were around 18 or 19 percent. I think that's broadly where we've been for about a year. Now, I'd like us to do better. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the polls on the other side of the budget, because obviously that'll be stimulated by the debate uh, on both sides of, of the, uh, the dull chamber. Um, so I would still be very hopeful that we will uh, double our percentage share of the vote come the election. I'd like us to do better than that, but I think any party that's doubling their percentage share of the vote... What did you get you got last time around? Just, just under 10%. Just under so 10. I think any party that's doubling their vote... You'd be doing well to get that now, wouldn't you? I mean, well, you'd probably take 15%, would you, at this stage? Exact, I, I would like to see us do significantly better than that, yeah. I have to say. Um, okay. And again, those those core numbers have us, you know, 18 19%. And I think for most of us, certainly that's what we're, we're aiming towards. Um, Sheila Riley, I suppose the may arguably the most interesting aspect of that poll is how people feel about mm. the uh, about the recovery. And uh, half the electorate saying the country's now better off than five years ago. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt the country is better off yeah. now than five years ago. Uh, it wouldn't be hard, I think most people would say. Uh, only a fifth feel their personal finances have improved in that time. That's a concern for the government, although it does suggest Labour's instinct to hold off until uh, the budget goodies people feel the effect of that was maybe the, the right the right instinct. Potentially it does, yeah. I thought the other um, interesting figure, just to throw in the mix there, that if you broke that broke the figure down of how people feel in terms of better off, that uh, that was only 10% in Connacht Ulster, whereas when you brought it up to Dublin, it's actually 29%. That's an interesting mm. line in the sand, if you like, in that poll too. You can take the woman out of Cavan. Oh, you know yeah. yourself. <laughs> um, so if you look at it in terms of that, you can say, yeah, Labour are, are probably right to want to hold off. And I think that there would be an instinct in Fine Gael and certainly down the country a lot of uh, the TDs that I'm talking to, that they're, they're happy enough with a spring election as it is now potentially to let things bed down and to see maybe that people are beginning to feel the effects of, of the, that people will feel the effects of the budget and mm. that they will have experienced it in January and that potentially the November if they had been bounced into a November election um, that it could have gone very badly wrong for them. But I never believed for a minute, um, and Antishak was very frank when he was on your own station this <coughs> week when he spoke to Pat Kenny. Uh, he said he mo- at one stage he moved away from his formulation of words that he had used mm. up to now in terms of early 2016. You're not seriously telling us that Antishak wasn't considering going to the polls in November. I mean, the dogs in the street know he was. I, th- I think m- many people around him may well have been saying that, but I don't think he was ever serious about going to the elections uh, in November. No, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I think... Really? Yeah, i tell you why, because... Uh, as as the election was w- getting closer and closer and closer, I think a big issue uh, for him, and in fairness to Joan Burton, was this idea of stability and the idea that the government would run its five years and then present itself to the Irish people again. And I think by going in the early part of next year, we're going to get that. I've been out canvassing a lot in the last... Brian Hayes, hang on a sec. I can't, I can't go ahead, let Jane, that go, go on past. It was absolutely crystal clear 
that the Taoiseach was seriously considering a November election. Joan Burton basically said, "If you know what, if you do that, he said, you can forget about." He said on the back any program, he said his only. I, I know what he said. He said his only mistake was to move away from what he had actually said for that for that one interview for that one quip that he had to make. But he had plenty uh, of time, Brian, he to come back. And he had lots I don't of think, opportunities in I don't that think week to come ever, back in and clarify yeah, his anyway, position, anyway, and he did. That was that was two weeks' story. I, my view is, this, I don't think he was ever serious about going in November. And the other thing I'll say is this: I've, I've been out canvassing. <coughs> a lot with colleagues all over Dublin in the last while um, I, I, there's a huge change in, in the public mind when you compare this time last year in the height of the water protest people are now beginning to see recovery I think also they're, they're asking questions about what they want in government do they want a stable government or do they want some kind okay, of government that, that, is, that isn't key, yes. going to be able to, to uh, do the kind I just of things because we need to take a break just very briefly uh, Owner Brain you wanted to come well, in the, there. the significant thing about the, the poll in terms of uh, such a small number of people feeling any sense of the recovery in their personal finances confirms what we all know I mean this is the third or fourth poll that's tracked exactly that same question uh, and I don't know where Brian is canvassing but the vast majority of people out there are telling us exactly this uh, the same this year as what they were saying last year which is yes they have a sense that at a macro level uh, macro numbers are changing but for example you know, there's no stability in the health system. There's no stability for the families increasingly presenting as homeless across the Dublin uh, city and county. <clears throat> there's no stability, for example, in families who still can't afford childcare. Okay. So what people are telling us in this poll is that while there might be some uh, change at the high level statistics, people's lives okay. are not improving. I, and that's because and of that's the policies. The, and that's the challenge. That is the real okay, challenge. I mean, uh, that is the real challenge. But I think as we are close to the election and people look at the alternative, the tenant tax and spend alternative of the hard left in Sinn Féin okay. people will we'll have listen, a lot we'll, of really we'll come consideration back to that about this. in a moment go and take a short break in the Sunday show we'll be back with that draw from Switzerland in a couple of moments Welcome back to the Sunday show. Um, they're still kind of waffling on over in Switzerland at the moment, so we won't cross there uh, just now. We will, though, bring you that draw uh, live uh, as it happens, so do stay tuned for that. Uh, my guests going through the uh, the Sunday papers are uh, Sheila Riley, uh, Brian Hayes and uh, Owen O'Brien. Um, Owen O'Brien, uh, interesting, Porrick McLaughlin quoted, I think it's Sunday Times, page two today, uh, suggesting a, a government with Fianna Fáil could be possible. Has he has he gone rogue or is this official? Oh, he's, uh, given, he's given his opinion. Um, I don't agree with it. Fair, fairish the thought of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that allowed in Sinn Féin? Not allowed, is it? Absolutely is. It's positively encouraged. No, he's given his, his opinion uh, and he's quite clear in that in the article. And what he's saying is, look, given how tight the margins are between ourselves and Fianna Fáil, if Sinn Féin was a seat less than Fianna Fáil, you know, if we could form a, an alliance with one of the other left of centre groups, he would certainly as consider... As long as there's a left majority. That's what he's You don't regard Fianna Fáil as a left-wing party, because Michael Martin does. He says sure. we're a left of centre. As, as did Bertie O'Hearn, and nobody took that one seriously either. Well, Bertie O'Hearn um, said he was, they were socialists. That was... He was a socialist, socialist. yes. Yeah. One of the only socialists left. Yeah. I, think, I think the and only socialists socialist left. Bar Joe Higgins. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so no, what, what Porig is arguing is, look, that he would still be looking for a left of centre majority around the cabinet table. Um, my preference is still what the party position is, which is for Sinn Féin to be the largest party. Still, um, though, you'd have to acknowledge it's the, it is a chink. Uh, it's an interesting pro- proposition, if you like, in uh, when everybody's weighing up all the considerations and in light of the fact that Michal Martin has consistently ruled out a coalition with Sinn Féin and for Port McLaughlin to be coming out and saying this at this time it's definitely mm, very interesting. interesting I certainly don't think uh, he's coming out of his own back I, I'd say I, that I, and Brian Hayes I'm hearing from, from people that within Fine Gael there's a little bit of a softening towards the, uh, the idea of a coalition 
with Fianna Fáil as it becomes pretty clear that Fine Gael will be the, the top dog in such an arrangement? I know I don't think that's <coughs> going to happen. It's not going to happen for a number of reasons, not least because we're not going back to the Fianna Fáil era which wrecked the country. But secondly, we're not going back uh, because... It's harder to say that now after the budget you introduced uh, well, last well, week, isn't well, it? Well, I'll go through the numbers with you very carefully if you want and I'll show uh, you that we, there's, there's no credibility in that yeah, argument. Uh, Brian, um, but on, on the question the of Sinn Féin, did that on the, on the, the question of, of Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin, <coughs> What's interesting is that, and uh, Port McLaughlin is, is an interesting TD. He, he does speak his mind from occasion, uh, on occasion. I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting what he's saying in this because part of me thinks that Sinn Féin doesn't want to go into government the next election. Sinn Féin's obsession is always itself, its own electoral strategy. It's a big, you know... No, it's hardly it's unique big, among political parties. It's a big nationalist party. But <coughs> you can see in Northern Ireland, they only move at their own pace. So I think... Part of it actually is not wanting to go into government. They want to force Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil to coalesce. I don't think Fianna Fáil are going to do that in a circumstance where they're, they're the junior partner. Certainly there's no uh, ambition on our part. Our only ambition is to come back to government with the Labour Party. And I think as we get closer to the election, I mean, I've said repeatedly and publicly that Fine Gael and Labour need to be on 40%. Um, as a minimum if they're going to form the next government mm. and I think as we get close to the election all this kind of commentary and kerfuffle and <coughs> polling will go to one side and the public will actually focus on what they want but what's interesting in the Fianna Fáil sense here is that Fianna Fáil repeatedly said they won't do a deal with Sinn Féin despite what Mr Martin might say in his his uh, Bowdoin speech today but I think if you speak to people within Fianna Fáil uh, people in their 30s and 40s had never been to government and weren't responsible for the Bertie Ahern years, they might take the view of doing a deal with Sinn Féin. And really, that's the question that the public will face. Is Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil our combination of those parties with the other left-wing, with other left-wing elements? Are they going to form the next government? And that's why I think uh, as we get closer to the contest, all these issues will be will be much closer focused on. Okay, I want to bring... Well, first of all, Sinn Féin does want to be in government uh, and we're fighting this election uh, with that very kind of front and centre of our mind. Uh, Obviously, we also have to be realistic on the basis of whatever the mandate we get. The one thing we're very clear about is we will not make the same mistakes as either the Labour Party or the Green Party made before them, uh, which is to go into an election arguing for a clear alternative to the consensus politics of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, only then to go into government and break all those promises. Now, the view of the party and, and the view of the activists of the party as, as agreed at the last Ardesh is the best way to do that is to say we want to lead a government uh, and lead a government to do a range of things um, uh, and you know I think what Podrick is doing is he's thinking out loud that's not uh, a bad thing but the, the clear position of the party mandated from the Ardesh is that Sinn Féin will only sit down and negotiate a programme for government where Sinn Féin is in a position to lead that government, uh, nobody nobody believes, and I agree with Brian. That's Dez, not going to happen. Nobody, though, is it? The, I don't the think the numbers. Like, you have to acknowledge on, that Sinn Féin, the figures don't bear it out. The Sinn Féin are going to be in a position to do that, like realistically. Like twenty five seats would be a great result for you. Thirty and, seats at the outside—that's not going to lead a government. No, no, though, and, is it? and and again, we're being very honest with people. You could only lead a government if you get the mandate from people at the election. So, if, for example, an election uh, was in the next couple of weeks and the results were roughly what the polls say at the minute, then clearly we wouldn't be in a position to lead a government. And what we do then? We will continue to campaign you know, and to argue for the kinds of policy changes that need to be made to tackle the failures one, one, of the existing there's, there's government. One, there's one political issue. You know, in Northern Ireland, you can sit things out because it's really about who is the biggest you know, uh, political grouping between the Greens and the Oranges, if, if you like. In the South, um, if you continue to want to sh- sit out the government, someone else co- takes your, not, take your side. And I think what's interesting, if, if you just let me make a point, Brian, what's, but, in, what's, but, in, what's, in, what's interesting is this if you go to local authorities all over Dublin right now, the contest is between Sinn Fein and the hard left, the AA 
gay and socialist because they're killing each other in the, in the course of the, the chamber the because they're t- trying fact, to be one is trying Brian, to be more angry clearly, let me make the point one is trying to be more angry than the next and one is trying to be more populous than the next and I think that's the really fascinating thing as Sinn Féin tried to move to the centre and, and try to become more moderate and more acceptable as they do that they leave this big gap on the left and that's why it's interesting that the socialists and the AAA are at 7% in this poll Clearly, Brian is spending a little bit too much time in Brussels. No, I'm, in, in no, the Dublin no, local no, authorities, I'm for example, much around. In the, I listen to the debates. In the Dublin local authorities, for example, in my own council, Sinn Féin is actually the largest party in the council, and in an alliance with Labour and Progressive Independents running the council, there is no acrimony with with anybody else. I wonder. That. The okay, real context okay, is okay, actually between hold, hold Sinn Féin on the one hand and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael on the other. Okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a hold that thought for a moment because we are going to cross to Switzerland now. Welcome back to the Sunday Show, Shane Coleman, with you until noon today. If you've just joined us. Uh, you've missed the uh, the bilingual draw in uh, Switzerland. We've drawn Bosnia Herzegovina. Could be better, I suppose. Could be worse. I I think I'm right in saying the first leg is going to be in Sarajevo between the 12th and the 14th of November, with the second leg back in Lansdowne Road, uh, the 15th to the uh, 17th of November. We'll be coming back to that story uh, after uh, 12 o'clock, after after 11 o'clock rather, uh, just to get an assessment of the Bosnian team. Uh, Sheila Riley, Sheila Riley, Brian Hayes, and Owner Blin are still with me going through the Sunday papers. Um, Sheila, as you'd expect, big coverage of the budget and a fair number of economists queuing up to have a pop at the government for, I suppose, being overly flahulock uh, with um, their yeah, budget well, giveaway. You have you have a lot of like I mean, with all uh, issues like this, you have a lot of conflicting analysis. Really, I mean, David McWilliams is in the Business Post saying, you know, let it rip. A lone voice, basically lone saying, ten percent unemployment. You're right to yeah, let it rip. Absolutely, yeah. Um, then you have Stephen Kinsley saying the Sunday Business Post here, um, our rebound won't last forever, but the government's foolishly spending as if it will, and that basically kind of is the nub of his um, his article there. He says basically that you know, look at the groups that are most likely to vote on mass at the next election. He says homeowners, private sector workers, public sector workers. Older people, farmers, employers, uh, and vitally start-up people, uh, and then he starts. He goes through the list of measures that were introduced, and sort of goes check, 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 and that all the the check, the, all the list has been dutifully checked off. And he's saying basically that it's kind of quite a political budget, uh, mildly expansionary, um, and that the reality is um, that. You know, should it be so expansionary? Should mm. should it have? Yeah, and uh, Brian Hayes, on that way, point, one basically. of the things that struck me listening to Brendan Howland, Michael Noonan during the week, you could have been listening to a Fianna Fáil minister ten I'm years really ago. Happy you said that because this is the allegation that's come from. Well, the, let me let me give you well, the, let me give the specific example I'm referring to. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was Brendan Howland. I know or Michael Noonan on uh, talking to George Hook, and the line was, "Well, tell me which bits." you wouldn't have done. I mean, that was classic uh, Fianna Well, the, the allegation... Let, let's, um, you raised this earlier, so I, I really yeah, want to deal on, with this. Do. The allegation is that this is a, some kind of populist budget to win the election. And we're going back to the Bertie Hearn era of uh, expanding the economy. OK. This budget is about an expansion of €1.5 billion Euro in respect of uh, tax changes and in respect of um, additional expenditure. Plus €1.7 billion left over that's from right. this year. That, that, yeah, that's right. So that's actually three point two. Here's the point I'm making. Here's the point I'm making. Here's the point I'm making. But one point five billion is a red herring. In 2002, Shane, in 2002, the budget before 2002, 
They expanded the economy at the economy in that budget by over four billion euros. So three point two versus four billion. The difference. This the the time difference around. in years, though. No, hang, let me make the yeah, point. The difference in years. It wasn't borrowed money 13, back then. It's, it's borrowed well, money now. Well, it actually, it was in, in two thousand and two. It was thir- thirteen years of a difference. In two thousand and seven, the expansionary budget before the election was six and a half billion euro. Mm. We're talking about a budget that will expand the Again, economy next not year. Not borrowed money. Uh, by one point five. So, is billion. your argument we're not going quite as crazy as as Fianna We're going nowhere did. near that. The reality is this: I said on your program a month ago that this every decision the government should do, and every future government, whether it's Finnegan or Labour, is is irrelevant. The question is twofold: one, is uh, the growth in expenditure within where we see nominal growth in the, in the economy? The increase is four percent next year. The growth this year is 6%. We're well within that. But secondly, and this is the importance of the fiscal rules, which is important from Brussels, the fiscal rules state once you get your deficit under 3%, you must consistently make progress uh, to get the deficit down by at least 0.6% each year. This uh, plan is for 0.8%. The at the start of this year, we said we wanted a deficit of 2.8. It's going to come in at 2.1. Mm. On all well, of the, the fiscal, big the fiscal questions... Advisory but then you have well, agree with well you. the Fiscal Advisory Council, and I have a great time for Professor McHale. I think he is a... a and this is something that the government established because we want to have proper, independent, prudent advice. The Fiscal Advisory Council, within three hours, admitted that they got it wrong. No, no, hang on. They got one aspect of it wrong probably because they didn't get the right information from the government no, but no, they, no, no, but no, they are still standing by their central line that you're spending too much money that you're being too flat. the fiscal up. advisory council a month ago said the government was right to aim yeah, to spend was, one point before they knew you were going to use 1.7 billion in every year money. In, in every year shane because we have not dema- not a, like this in every year. year because we have demand-led services within our health services because we have a growing population there is a supplementary estimate estimate and that is all around management a funding, I accept that. But at the end of the day, this government have put in place a budget which will sustain the recovery, get more people back to work, and has actually delivered for, especially for middle and lower income people, in a way, in a way uh, that previous governments okay, did I not do. So I, I, I think on any sort of litmus test of prudence and fairness, this is a good budget. And I think that's why when I'm on the doorsteps uh, all over Dublin, as, as I said to Owen earlier, I'm picking up that message everywhere I go. Okay, Owen O'Brien, I presume you're not going to say the government uh, should have spent less money in the budget, are you? No. Uh, <laughs> two, two fundamental problems with the budget. The first thing is, uh, by and large, they made the wrong kinds of spending decisions. What we needed in this budget was significant investment in health, in childcare, in education and housing, four key areas of investment that are central. Well, they, not they only gave, I mean, are you opposed to the, the OAPs getting I'll, three euros? or what? what, well, what, what, what specifically? Teachers? Crucially, so if you take health, for example, uh, and central to the recovery is people actually being able to access health care that keeps them well. The actual new spending in health next year, so after you take out Haddington Road, after you take take out demographics, the actual increase is 18 million euros. It is frighteningly appalling. (laughs) The same in education, the same in uh, childcare. So the first thing this government didn't do that they should have done is significantly increase investment in those areas of our public infrastructure that are crying out for investment. The second thing is there is nothing fair about the tax changes that are made and you can see it when you look at the impact in terms of the actual money back in people's pockets from the changes to USC and other uh, uh, aspects of tax. So somebody like me, for example, uh, who's on an average income around 25, 26,000 euros, I'll get about 200 euros back 
but somebody who's on 70 or 80 grand will get 900 euros back. The very opposite of fair. So, on the one hand, what are Fine Gael doing as they always do? Yeah, on, they're introducing... They're, 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 it's they're, always going to be like that. I mean, no, no, it, the, bigger choice, income, the bigger the that's, income, the, the, that's, that's the reality make, of it. If you make those choices, whereas what Sinn Féin did is we outlined a better way to put money back in the pockets of those at the bottom end to try and tackle well, income inequality. Shane, and, and, he, gets and like, to, he gets open like tree and, and, and I'm attacking no, no, everything I, I say. I, you, I didn't you, interrupt you. I didn't no, interrupt no, no, but Jane was interrupting me. That's and, the point I'm making. Well, I'll well, decide what questions. But thanks very much, Brian. But, uh, to invest significantly in health, education, had we followed, housing Can I reply to that? Had we followed the advice of that great economic guru, Mr Adams, in 2011 when we came to government, who said to us that we would send the Troika home, we wouldn't draw down the money, uh, we would face, as an economy, as a country, 30 years of austerity. That's not true. The reason it's why... absolutely the dif- not true, the difference between The difference between Let, the Fine okay. Labour approach, which was to get through this bloody awful adjustment as quick as we can to get the country working, to get people back to work, as against the Sinn Féin hard left uh, strategy, which was around blowing up the economy and making sure that we would have 30 years of austerity is... Yeah, just, just, just before... I, okay, I do want to bring Sheila in, but just de- deal with that point. You, you went the Syriza route... You, you, you favour that route. You've kind of lost that argument, haven't you, Owner uh, First of all, I don't accept that. Uh, and in fact, if we had followed Sinn Féin's advice uh, back in uh, 2010, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the social catastrophe that's taking place in our A&E departments. In our A&E departments. I'll, come to, I'll, I'll answer that for you in one second, Brian. We wouldn't have the catastrophe in housing, in health, in education. It's ludicrous to say that There was sufficient revenue between the Exchequer Reserves and the National Pension Reserve Fund uh-huh. to implement an alternative strategy. And here was the problem. But you voted for the guarantee. The, which, the problem, which, which, that the problem, well, let's not get back problem, into the guarantee. No, here was the problem. That's because the, Fine Gael, the banks went bang. Fine Gael and Labour made a set of promises as how they were going to run the economy if they got into government. Yeah. And then when they got into government, they those. broke all of those promises. They continued we to said implement we get the failed, down, failed Fianna which we policy. Did, and we said get and people back to as, work, as, which we did. As a result, they're, they're, they're as the promises a result, we gave. As a result of that, we have a crisis in our uh, health service, education system, in housing. Can I just say that if I were a listener here this morning, if I were a listener here this morning, I'd be going... God, please, will they just call an election in November? Because I can't deal with this. Listen to it till next March. And with the amount of politicking we've heard the here this morning, get a room. Basically. Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, yeah. I think with the amount of poli- politicking we've heard here this morning, the, the electorate is now on their knees, praying, praying for uh, an early election. I think Stephen Kinsella makes the point, um, and indeed Colin McCarthy as well. The headline of his piece: "Government borrows can of petrol to throw on an economy on fire." I think we can just uh, grab what he's saying there. I think. Both of them, they they are saying basically it's an election framed uh, or a budget framed in an election. Mm. I think that's a realistic point to make that no matter what Brian as, is, as says today, the are, reality is, Brian, that, you know, you're six, four or five months away from an election and this budget just reflects that. And that's the truth of it. And Stephen Kinsler is right in what he's saying. There's a lot of box ticking going on there trying to appeal to as wide uh, uh, a population as possible okay. uh, and a lo- including I mean, a lot of traditional people, Fine Gael voters and indeed Labour appe- voters as well. The appeal is because the people who've got us through this mess by their sacrifices want to get out the other end and they want to get their economy working and they want to get the ta- okay, tax burden off right. their shoulders which is uh, still I, I, I do want to get to some of the listener uh, comments uh, the difference between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael is that Charlie McCreevy spent money that he had whereas Michael Loon is spending money that he doesn't have and worse owes. Uh, somebody else says, what a pointless point scoring competition uh, from these two. I, I don't know, I think that's a political debate. I think that's uh, a, a good thing and I don't think we should criticise that. Um, 
a listener on the football says, I hope we get stuffed by Bosnia. I know it's bad, but I'm sick of the bees running <laughs> Irish football. They could have made it if they'd balls. The Germany team was clearly the way the campaign uh, should have started. Ah, look, come on. <laughs> uh, you, you might have a point, but you can't be cheering for, for Bosnia against Ireland. It would be great if we made the uh, the European Championship. Um, look, guys, one issue I do want to, to get to, and uh, I mean, this time last week we were, I suppose the country was reeling at the uh, the... the Oh, just the tragedy of that fire uh, in uh, Carrick Mines. Um, Sheila, lots of coverage uh, across the papers today. More, I suppose, of what happened uh, in the days mm. following that, and particularly yeah. the objection of some residents to a uh, in an area in, in in Dublin to a temporary. That's right. Site. Now we've seen today that that has been resolved to an extent that they they that will that site will go ahead for I think a six month period, but now and a more permanent site has been found. I think in Shangana Road. Yeah. Um, and that that will that the council are actually going, are working to bring that more permanent site up to up to speed now that they, they'll have it ready within a six month period mm. what you're seeing today is a lot more analysis I suppose of not just um, yeah Etna Tynan uh, it's very easy fire, to yeah. it's very easy to be humanitarian on travellers from a healthy distance Mick Clifford writing about it in the Irish Examiner over this yeah, weekend Mick as Clifford well. had a very good piece yesterday in the Examiner in relation to it he talked a bit about you know public grieving and how really the public kind of latched on to the, the the death of Garda Tony Golden and kind of moved away very quickly from um, the tragedy in Carrick Mines, if you like. And he kind of reflects then on the kind of the classic attitude to travellers. And I think um, a lot of a lot of excellent points were made this weekend. But I think we've yet to have an honest conversation about travellers in this country. Um, you know, we've yet we have that there is still a huge amount of suspicion and and I suppose fear on both sides, if you like, in relation to the travelling community, their attitudes to settle people and indeed settle, uh, settle people's attitude to them. And that a lot of the voices you hear, the loudest voices you hear in the debate, are the voices at the edge of the circle, either positive or negative, either for or against travellers, if not to put a tooth in it, but that these are the people who are, as you say, at a distance. They're not going to be living beside travellers. They're not um, dealing with travellers in their everyday lives. So therefore they can stand up in the pulpit and condemn them or support them, if you like, but safe in the knowledge that they're never going to have a traveller on their doorstep. And yet the people, there is a need for a more nuanced debate, if you like, in the centre, um, more realistic about travellers, um, about the reality is that they are not treated as well as they should be in this country. Uh, settled people know that. They, they do not get the services they should and they are still regarded okay. as second class citizens. Okay, but the other part of it is, just to finish that point, okay. that travellers also have to accept that they have a responsibility in the society they yeah, live. M- that M- they Clifford should be taking a point. role. He's saying it's not just about rights, it's about responsibility. Yeah, it is. And I know it's a kind of a bit of a tired cliche, but people need to kind of, travellers need to except that they can't just live apart from communities. They have to actually take p- take part in the communities that they live in. Okay. And they need to make greater efforts themselves to do that. Okay, Brian Hayes. Well, I fully agree with what you've just said. I think we need a conversation, a big national conversation on this. Um, w- uh, one of the, the best Irish sociologists was a Father Michal McGrail, and I read a book of his mm. many years ago when I was studying sociology. He found attitudes shocking. Yeah, Prejudice and Tolerance in Ireland. He did it in the 1970s, and he did it, did it again then in the 1990s, where he actually ran the surveys again. And actually, over that 20, 25 year period, the, the prejudice towards the travelling community increased. This is a huge problem that we face. It's, it's in his book, he says, you know, people would prefer to live 
beside someone not from the country at all than a traveller. Mm. And why is, is that? There is terrible prejudice, but equally, as the, as I think you say, and I think Clifford said in his article, the travellers have a responsibility themselves okay. to try to, 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 to talk through this real problem, because okay. until we do that, Just we're not going to get it, to a better place. Owner been very I, brief, I, if you I'm will. I'm in a constituency with a huge traveller population. I work with travellers settled uh, and still travelling every day, and I have to say, they are part of the community. They accept those responsibilities. Uh, and what worries me about the two contributions we've heard is it ignores the central point here, which is on every single indicator, from education to health to housing, travellers are systematically and institutionally discriminated it in doesn't the state. Ignore it. I'm after making and, that point, and, Owen. And, I made the and, point that certain people the need idea, to address the issues the, about the, the idea that travellers. travellers are out there somehow wanting to separate themselves from society uh, and live okay. apart from us. That's not the experience All of right. those of us who okay. work with travellers every day. Okay, unfortunately, we have to uh, leave it there. My thanks to uh, Sheila Riley, to Brian Hayes, and to Owen O'Brien.